Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Alpsett, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, talking game three of the preseason, the last and final game. Uh, a lot to be decided here. A lot of players on the bubble hoping to make the roster, or at least uh, having a shot at it. Uh, starting quarterback position is almost solidified, sounds like, but there is an outside shot that Drew Locke could do enough in this game to uh, tip the scales. Lots to talk about, Keith. Welcome in, man. Yeah, the, um, just that thing that you started with right there at the end was um, the the quarterback competition. I there's a lot of fans out there that are upset that um, Locke's not getting yeah. the start in this game. That that Gino is again, despite the fact that he's looked just not good in the first two um, preseason games. Like, why is he still getting the start um, when there's another option? And so, uh, yeah, let's just. What's your take on that? Well, you know, it's interesting because there's something to be said about good practice players, good team players, good good teammates in the locker room, uh, the, the the kind of the veteran presence, even though he hasn't been a, a starter per se. There's a lot to like about Geno Smith from a coach's perspective. So if you put yourself into Pete Carroll's shoes and to, um, you know, the offensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff, and his teammates and the way they look at and view this situation, um, there's a lot of positives there, even though the play hasn't translated per se uh, on the field uh, and scoring drives and, and so forth in the two preseason games that we've had so far. Maybe it does translate a little bit more in the locker room on the practice field and so forth. And, you know, his turnover ratio and so forth is kind of right up Pete's alley. And so you you take a look at all those factors. I get it. And the unfortunate timing of Drew Locke's covid uh, situation didn't help at all. And so all of those things do kind of tend to point in that direction. I guess I would probably end up there-ish if I was uh, making decisions as well. But Drew Locke's the better player. Drew Locke's the better player with the higher upside. He might uh, have a few more mistakes, but he's also going to have those positive opportunities, those uh, explosive plays that Pete Carroll really likes. Now, if we can rein in those turnovers and have them play within the system a little bit more, maybe there's something there. And uh, it'd be worth it in this season where we know we're unlikely to go to the playoffs. Let's just be honest. We're, we're probably a, a, you know between four and seven win team, depending on the, the bounce of the ball and, and turnovers. And um, let's let Drew Locke have that opportunity. A younger quarterback, good prospect, uh, gives the team an, an opportunity to see him, to find out if they want to re-sign him after the season or if they want to move forward in a completely different direction. We've always known this is going to be the situation. We've spent the entire offseason talking about it. Here we are in the final game, and here is Geno Smith starting. Um, I understand Drew Locke's going to take maybe three quarters of this game. And I have mixed emotions about that because now you're going to put Drew Locke out there with the second, third stringers. He's going to have, um, uh, you know, second and third string guys on the on the line protecting for him and so forth. So you don't want to get a guy like that injured in a game like this as, as well. So, but 
if if all things are considered, it sounds like he's going to get an opportunity to blow Pete's socks off. And if he does, maybe he's got a free uh, a good shot at that uh, at that starting spot week one. If he doesn't, it sounds like Gino's kind of solidified himself in there. And if he doesn't do anything wrong in this game, maybe he doesn't do anything great. I think he's probably the guy. Sorry for all that long-winded stuff, but no, it makes sense. Um, it all, I don't. The whole thing also makes me wonder if, uh, as a team, they know something that's going to happen as far as player acquisition. Like when um, the 49ers gave Garoppolo's agent permission to talk with other teams to help seek a trade. Well, that also means that he can talk to other teams about contracts because anyone that trades for Garoppolo is going to sign him to a deal. Well, the Seahawks go, okay, we'll we'll sign him to a deal, but we're going to wait for him to get cut because we know it's probably going to happen. If they've got a deal and a framework in place waiting for the Garoppolo thing to happen. um, It could be very quick. It could be very quick. It could be come on Tuesday or or Wednesday at the latest. Yeah. And so it, it could be something where they don't really care about getting Locke in there and ready to start and all of that because, you know, you're going to bring in Garoppolo. He's going to start taking the, the snaps with the ones. Um, you throw Gino out there week one if Garoppolo is not ready, um, but you get Garoppolo out there starting week two. And, you know, something like that, if if that's the case and there, and these things have, are kind of happened behind the scenes, this whole co- quarterback competition was never a competition. You know what I mean? Like it was – always just about waiting until we they could move on it's hard because there's 31 other teams in the nfl i understand that you know jimmy doesn't have a starting opportunity in 31 other um systems but he is a solid quarterback he'd be an excellent backup for any quarterback in this league i think so there is there are other teams so if you're if you're locking that in and um that's a little risky but i agree with you um the quarterback play has been subpar here i know that people want to support their team support their quarterback whoever that is i get that i I will do that as well but just from being realistic all options have to be on the table for john snyder here and jimmy garoppolo is one of those options if he is released and uh, there's 99.9 percent chance that he will be uh, San Francisco is currently holding on to a $25 million guaranteed salary uh, come Wednesday morning uh, for him. And I think that guarantees, I read somewhere, Keith, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe that it's fully guaranteed throughout the entire, for the, for the whole season. I think it's, it's, don't they, isn't he cuttable at any time or is it automatically fully guaranteed? It's automatically fully guaranteed if he makes the, 53 man roster so if they so that changes him, it so it's not day, it's not game by game it's not like he makes yeah yeah okay if if they so, cut him if, if if they if they keep him on the roster they're gonna pay him and no one's trading for that contract so they're stuck right. paying him all year right. if um if they and, cut and him, then and then so he's if he's cut then any team in the nfl can pay him whatever he will accept true and but part of it is if you were him you believe you're a starter you're going to go take a, a an opportunity where you can start oh, and that's and sh- right here in seattle and that, there's two teams that don't have a starting quarterback right now there's uh houston and seattle 
and and davis mills in houston is their guy they really like him he hasn't had a great camp he didn't ha hasn't had good performances yet in the preseason but he did well last year and so mm -hmm. i think they're fine riding him into the the season and seeing kind of what they have there yeah i mean they last year he kind of he started out on the bench and then eventually became the guy and 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 played okay and and i think they want they're not paying him anything right um and so they're it for them they're in the beginnings of a rebuild um not yes. paying a quarterback i don't uh, think a ton of money when, so, yeah i was saying yep. not paying a quarterback in the in the middle and the beginnings of a rebuild is like that makes more a lot of sense so yes i don't even think they and they're not ready for jimmy garoppolo their yeah. their their roster is not ready now you look at seattle it is this this team would uh not i'm not going to say it would rise to the level of when russell wilson was here not necessarily but mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo gives them a chance legitimately, I think, to get to 10 wins. Um, the quarterbacks we have in house, maybe if everything goes right, I think seven to eight wins. Um, less than 500 team, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of the way it is. I think yeah. that you'd have to have a outstanding play, like rise above uh, historic levels for both these quarterbacks for the Seahawks to have a chance at, at more wins. Now it's all entirely possible. Everyone else on the roster is playing well. Maybe that elevates the play of the, the quarterbacks. Usually the quarterbacks are elevating the play of, of your offense. Um, but the, the, the reverse could be true a little bit. And um, we'll see. But I'm really excited about the other positions to talk about today other than the quarterback. We'll be watching that. Obviously, that's a big story. But um, there's a lot of other stuff going on as well. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stuff that maybe not. it's not as like you know, headline worthy, but it's much more interesting. So let's kind of get the, into some of that. Yeah, I think the biggest story out of this camp, I, I'll be completely honest, is Tariq Woolen. Uh, the ability of Tariq Woolen to come in here is kind of a fifth round guy, needs a lot of work, uh, is very skilled athletically, but football wise, he's not quite ready for prime time, needs uh, played in a, a smaller conference, smaller school. Uh, very limited experience of just a couple of years, you know, total of like 15 games or something like that at cornerback. Make, make, yeah, making a transition from wide receiver to cornerback, um, you know, late in college and then now trying to figure it out as a pro. And um, yeah, but he's looked good. I mean, he's, he's got an opportunity to start. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm starting to wonder if Artie Burns isn't going to make the roster. I think Artie Burns makes the roster initially only because um, Trey Brown is not going to start the year on the That's roster. True. Okay. So I think I, I've got Artie Burns, Sidney Jones starting, but Tariq Woolen could start. And Kobe yeah. Bryant could start in the, in the slot. Justin mm -hmm. Coleman, I don't know where that leaves Justin Coleman, but I think Justin Coleman hangs around on the roster as well, unless they feel like, you know, John Reed, Mike uh, Jackson, it, it, you know, rises up. They really like Michael Jackson um and he's he played, performed well he played all right last year yeah and so and he's had a good camp so it, that's going to be interesting you know they may end up electing to keep six corners on this roster instead of five i've got them at five but they could go six and they could um you know marquise blair could be on the, on the bubble that's another player i want to talk about um yeah Tariq woolen is going to be he's going to play this year i mean he's going to eventually start for this team and be you know, an excellent corner. It's from all reports out of camp. He's got a real shot at, at being the starter day one um, at, at outside cornerback for this team. And 
that's to me it's just uh, nothing that you would expect I and mean, we we've yeah. talked about it endlessly we both advocated for him to be drafted he was but we didn't have any expectations for this year this was kind of a banking a player type of situation for the future and it turns out he's ready to go that's yeah. that's a huge story um, we were both super excited about him pre-draft we, we were super excited seattle drafted him but even with our like you know banging the table for a guy we were expecting him to come in and compete next year that this year would be about learning this year would be about he'd play special teams and he would learn his job um for him to be in the conversation to start week one is it's and just being crazy the, and being the best def, uh, one of the best defenders on the entire defense in preseason not only at that corner but just overall and even better than Kobe Bryant. Now, Kobe Bryant's been steady and he's solid and whatever, but Tariq Wollen has been everything uh, solid and steady as well, but he's got this tremendous like athletic upside and length mm -hmm. that you just can't teach. And so, yeah, those yeah. factors together, he's just crazy. Bryant's so, Mark, Bryant, I think you undersold Kobe Bryant. And now, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFL Players Association. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN, click the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent upon type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay. He I didn't under, been, I'm not trying to undersell him. He has been really good. Yeah. In, in camp and, and, and in the preseason. And yeah, he's we, been all I, over we, the place. We weren't he's, thinking of him as being a slot guy. We were thinking of him as just kind of an outside guy. They've thrown him in the slot. Justin Coleman and, and Marquise Blair were kind of thought to be in a competition originally at there. You throw in Kobe Bryant in there. Now he's going to see the field like probably 65% of the plays mm -hmm. if he if he ends up starting there. So that's that I I'm thrilled. Yeah. There's two there's two position groups I'm really thrilled about in this um out of this draft class. The cornerback spot and the offensive line, the tackles. Um, it's just crazy, but hold on before we get to the tackles, let's talk about Marquis Blair because we raised that issue. And I think it's a real concern. Marquis Blair's not had a great camp. He's still, you know, he's coming off uh, another injury and, and, um, I'm not exactly sure where his heart is and if his skills have dropped, you know, his skills are probably still there, but maybe his body's not cooperating. All reports are that, that he's kind of teetering on the bubble. 
Mm-hmm. Gone, in, gone into this season as a starter two years in a row, and now he might not make the roster because he didn't really play those two years he went into the year as a starter because he got, you know, really catastrophic season-ending injuries um, early in both those seasons. And he might not make the roster. The fact that he might not, not make the roster even after they traded away Ugo Amadi mm. is... And I, I, it's just weird. I mean, we, you and I were both pretty excited about that draft class because they got two safeties that we both liked. Um, mm-hmm. And Marquise Blair looked like the real deal. Yeah, his rookie year, his second year in camp. Then he had the injury, his third year in camp. Like they were, they were doing what they had to do to get him on the field. Um, and yes. you know, it looks like he might not even make the roster. It's just, it's a weird situation. I have to think it's got to be some injury stuff and then some mental stuff. You know, injuries that significant over that period of time. I mean, you just kind of change as a as a person. Maybe the priorities yeah. have changed, et cetera. Um, you know, and then you've got the ascension of um, Josh Jones and Ryan Neal. So both steady players, uh, Josh Jones in particular, I think really helps the team with diversity as far as solving some problems there. And then mm-hmm. Ryan Neal has been a little bit more injury prone, but has big playability. We've seen him on the field. He's been successful. Marquise Blair, we just can't say that. He just hasn't been out there enough. Ryan Neal, I mean, he was he was a, uh, a cornerback. They converted him to safety. Then they converted him back to cornerback. Then they converted him back to safety. Um, he's been on the practice squad a number of years. And then a couple of years ago, he took over for... Um, Jamal Adams. <clears throat> No, for Cam Chancellor. Oh, um, really? And yeah, he was there. He was there back then. He was there back then. I um, don't recall that. And and got some um, some you know got some snaps way back then. I mean, he's just he's hung around this team forever, um, and you know got played for um, Adams when Adams got hurt his first year, and no one had any expectations for him to be that good. Um, and he was, and he's, but he, like you were talking about diversity, he can play corner on the outside. He can play strong safety. He can play free safety. And he's a good he tackler. Is, he is a Swiss army knife defensive back. And you can't have enough guys like that um, as depth on your roster because you're only have 45 guys available on, um, on game day. Actually, I think it's 46 now, but you, there's only that so many guys. So guys that can play multiple positions, if someone gets hurt, and you know put all the energy they can into special teams and that kind of stuff they're really valuable um and so yeah i expect i fully expect um you know him to make the team and and continue to just be an important cog in this machine so the team um i can't remember the name of the player now moved on but anyway we have joey blount still on the team and um scott nelson and deontay williams um rounding that out we'll see if those guys play a lot Obviously, there's some special teams roles available. Um, and if Marquis Blair is truly on the roster, maybe they go with a younger player with less injury concerns and upside. Um, let's go over to the other side and let's talk about that offensive line I was talking about. That If there's a player on defense that we're all happy and surprised about it, it might be the Tariq Woolen emergence. But on the offensive side, Keith, it's got to be Abe Lucas, Abe Lucas at right tackle. I mean, what else can you say about him? He... Um, we knew he could pass block. He's got great feet, a lot of technique. Um, and that's pretty much all he did at Washington State was pass block because 
you know, it's the offense that they ran. He has looked like a mauler as a run blocker. He has more pancakes in this preseason than I think everybody else on the line combined. Like he has just dominated people. Um, He's literally taken the job. So not to be confused with um, Jake Curhan losing out. This is a guy that's come in and taken the job from Jake Curhan. I believe that Jabe Lucas is now going to start opposite of um, Charles Cross. Charles Cross on this offense. We're going to have two rookie offensive linemen. I think the only the second time since 1980 or something like that this has happened where teams have started two offensive tackles out of the draft in, mm-hmm. in the same year. That's that's it's so weird and it's so rare. And these both these guys look so good. I know with Cross there was all the penalties and weirdness last uh the in, in game two, but he was dominant in game one. I think whatever went happened in, in game two, we'll see, you know, where that goes as far as that. His play was still good, but he just had all the penalties. Yeah. Um and so we'll see yeah. if he gets that under control. Um but both of them have very high, very high ceilings. They can they can both be outstanding. Um and to get two starters at key positions like that um in one draft it's just crazy and you mentioned uh uh jake curran um he has been taking a bunch of snaps at guard and with um you know with damian Lewis's, Lewis. uh his injury i'm granted it's not not as bad as everyone feared so he'll he'll still be around he's not season ending as we thought at first um but you know, that'll push, um, you know, Curran has a chance to be the third guard going into week one. With, and there's um, Phil Haynes, too, who Pete Carroll said is a starting yeah. guard in the NFL. Well, Haynes is going to start um, with uh, if Lewis is out, but Curran becomes the third um, guard and the third tackle. Yeah, um, play four positions, which is a great. That almost ensures him. Well, he's going to be on the roster. but He's going to be on the roster anyway. Yeah. But, um, can you imagine a situation where the team after this year decides <coughs> to move on from Jackson and his contract and they stick Curran in at right guard next to Lucas? Um, you're you're open and running lanes on that right side. You're moving bodies with the, if those two guys are playing next to each other. Um, I could see that happening. And mm-hmm. I, I that that's just going to be fun. Do you recall Gabe's Jack, Gabe Jackson's uh, contract? This is last year. I don't think it's his last year because it was a... When he, they give him um, an extension when he came. Yeah, when he came over, they signed an extension. I believe it was three years. So he's got two more. He's got this year and next year. Um, but he's I don't cuttable. Have in front of he's me. cuttable. I believe he's he is he's cuttable after this year. Um, and it, it's it would his play last year was great. He was the team's best offensive lineman. Um, but it comes down to he's still a guard, and if there's younger, cheaper players that can do the job, um. I'm so excited, dude. I mean, you're the offensive guy, your offensive line guy, right? But I'm genuinely excited about our offensive line. Now, I I would love to have an upgrade at center, but let's see how Austin Blythe does this year. Maybe a really smart athletic center, smaller in stature, but you know, knows the system, knows and can call the line. Um, maybe a guy like Austin Blythe is the perfect fit in between all these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to see that play out a little bit, but I'm so excited for the future of this um this offensive line i mean this is a type of a thing that you could keep around for five six years and and it would be um a really nice and steady uh play out of this group would just be primo 
Um, so, I mean, as as the Seahawks get ready to play uh, Dallas tonight, um, it's worth noting that Dallas has kind of had this the best offensive line in football thing for the last like I don't know seven or eight years, which it isn't true anymore. They've their no. offensive line is going to be in shambles. Uh, at this point because well especially tyron smith just busted a hammy off of his bone and needs yeah. surgery it's going to be out like 12 weeks 12 and the, 12 this the, the season yeah and the rest of the line that you know all the the, the pieces Leo collins is gone and um uh, you know what i mean like so it, it just isn't the same as it was um even before that injury and so you've got but they were still the you know kind of the cream of the crop they invested a lot and had that line and it mattered it made Dak look really good. I mean, Dak is good, but it made mm-hmm. him look even better. It sure. opened up holes for the running game. And, and offensively, they were really, really good in part because they had this dominant line. And suddenly the Seahawks with Damian Lewis, um, who they drafted a couple of years ago, and then they brought in uh, Gabe Jackson last year. And now they've got the two um, offensive tackle spots filled. They're starting to have that same kind of look of, uh, Dallas's offensive line a few years ago, where you've just got high end players at four to five positions. Slow down, kid. Slow down. They got two rookies now. They You're right, taken and they're going to snap in the NFL and, yet, and they're going to play like rookies at time. And we saw that in the second preseason games with Cross, but we also saw in the first preseason game with Cross that he freaking dominated that game. And so did Lucas. They were both dominant let's, players. Let's see. Game. Let's see what happens when they get first string all pro level guys coming at them around the edges. You know, I there's gonna be a little bit of growing pains. There I'll is. Just, I'll just say that. I agree with you though, that the the premier top end offensive line future is ours to be had. Yeah. But it's gonna take 10 games. Oh, I'm not saying it's gonna be that way week one. I'm saying I'm looking at the future and looking at the next four years with Lewis and and the two tackles and then whatever they choose to do at the other two positions as they continue to grow and and have more resources to continue to throw at the line. They've done this right. They're building something really good. It's still building and they are going to be rookies. But what would happen if Jimmy Garoppolo showed up in camp, you know, on Wednesday? And um and and it worked like somehow or another it worked. We made the playoffs. I'm not saying we're going to be world beaters or anything, but we you know got a wild card spot. Would the Seahawks elect to re-sign Jimmy Garoppolo to a deal, and then have two first round draft picks next year and two seconds to go out and and add to the pile? I mean, you could get a premier center at that spot. You could get a you know a right guard if you needed to, or you felt like. Uh, you know, Jake Curhan could could start overall, and then you go out and you've got draft capital to like just completely fortify your mm-hmm. your team. That would be the best case scenario, I think, for the Seahawks. But yeah. I hesitate not to have a young, you know, quarterback out of this next next draft. But you could really set your you've team got, up for years to come if, out of this next draft. Well, you could. You you can't even if if you don't have Garoppolo. Um, yeah, but if you have to use those two picks or, and maybe even one second to move up, if you say you finished with nine wins or something, you'd end up picking fifteen. Yeah, and then you'd you'd, you'd have you'd, to move up. Yeah, you yeah. got to trade a bunch of stuff. I was thinking more of if if Garoppolo doesn't come to Seattle, this team is going to be going to lose a lot of games with Geno Smith under center. He's just not good. Um, he's not good enough to to lead this team to wins. They're going to lose a lot of games. They're going to be sitting 
you know, third or fourth in the draft with, you know, Jacksonville ahead of them and they've already got a quarterback. So there's three really nice quarterbacks in this draft class. You're going to be able to get one of them. In, in August. You say that in August, but we'll see how the season plays out. There's always, you know, two or three guys that emerge as well. So I think this this quarterback class, actually, when you really look at it from a depth perspective, there's six, seven guys that are going to go in the first two rounds. Yeah. Right now, I mean, you're right. There's always guys that, that show up and, you're, and they just like play out of their minds and they, and they work their way into that conversation. But going into the season, I see three. Um, I see three guys that I believe are going to be at the top of the draft next year. And I just watched um, some tape on Stroud yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the kid from Ohio State. Wow. Mm-hmm. He's yep. got he's the whole package. He's the whole um, package. He is. Absolutely. Go watch the guy from uh, Kentucky. Le- Levis, Levin. Yeah, because he, I mean, it's Kentucky, right? This isn't a blue blood program. This is a basketball school that finished second in their conference last year, in part because of their quarterback play. He's big. He does everything. Um, he's not coming from a, uh, a team where everyone on the roster is better than the person they're playing against. Uh, and he just elevates the guys around him. I think he's going to be a really good player uh, at the yeah. next level. And Fine. He's not the guy. Everyone's talking about, um, you know, Stroud and then the guy from Alabama, um, whose name I now. I know now that I now yeah. that you just said it, I lost it. <laughs> right, but you know, everyone's talking about those two. But I he's think, such a um, small stature guy. I just don't know. I just you know, when you look at a five ten guy that uh, is one hundred eighty five pounds soaking wet, you just wonder how yeah. they are going to how that's going to translate to the NFL. I mean, I know he's got the arm, he's got the completion percentage, all that stuff. So talk to me. How is, how did it translate in Arizona? Well, it hasn't translated yet. So talk to me when they do some damage in the playoffs and stuff. Yeah. He runs around. Great. I mean, he's a great quarterback, but he's immature. I think he's immature. He's a great quarterback with a terrible head coach. So So talk to me, talk to me about any other um, roster position groups that you want to talk about as far as, players that have exceeded expectations or you're really confident in as far as going into the season. Um, and then we'll talk about the bubble stuff and, and we can get out of here. You know, um, interior linebacker is a, is a problem uh, as far as depth is concerned. Uh, but Cody Barton, especially with Jordan Brooks, like they're giving him the, the veteran treatment and not making him do much. Um, but, and he, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be fine. He's going to be great. But um, Cody Barton has just been so steady and solid as an in, and I didn't really expect that. I really expected him. I mean, he's in the fourth year and he's barely had any starts because he's more of a special teams guy, but he's looked good in there. And then um, V Jones uh, has come in and, re- I mean, he's undersized. He's only 225 pounds, but he's come in and really made everyone take notice of him as an interior yeah. linebacker and, super and, athletic super fast undersized yep. as you said but you know here's a guy that you probably want to try to figure out how to get onto the roster because of his diversity play both middle yeah. linebacker you know in the in the middle you know, on the three four front and then uh rush rush the passer on the outside now he would be completely at 225 just situational um yeah. if he needed to play on this on this team this year but you put him in the weight room, you, you add nice 10 pounds of weight without taking away the athleticism or speed uh, for next year. And I think the, that um, 
yeah, he's a piece that you can kind of build around a little bit. Undrafted rookie free agent. Yeah. Um, I agree. He, I think he makes the he, roster actually. I think he makes the he's made he's one uh, of maybe two guys, undrafted guys on this whole roster right now. I think they have a real good shot. Yeah. And and not only good shot, I think he's I think he's made the roster. He is the third best interior linebacker that this team has. Um and the team cut his, his and the team cut the the only guy really in front of him and Joel Libunowe, uh, mm-hmm. um, who came over from Chicago in free agency, um, followed Sean Desai over here, and um, mm-hmm. they let him go just because he just wasn't good. He just, you know, yeah. as a linebacker, you now special teams guy, maybe, maybe, but linebacker, no way, no way. Yeah, and so what you what they ended up with is um, Nick Ballore is the special teams captain. He's a better special teamer. Um, and can also play middle linebacker in a pinch, yeah. um, which is all you wanted. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. You do it. Uh, Lyle um, yeah, he's that you, you don't want him on the field unless you absolutely have to. Um, and it's the same with Nick Ballore, but Nick Ballore has shown better in that role. So he's better at both jobs. He makes the roster and, and, um, uh, you know, the linebacker gets cut. And so that just leaves um, V Jones as the guy. He is the guy. He's going to be the third interior linebacker on this team and has looked really good doing it. Um, so him and um, so him and there, Cody Barton have been, have been really nice surprises for me. The one disappointment, uh, if you were going to have one, would be the Tariq Smith situation. He was a fifth-round pick uh, for, the, for the Seahawks in this draft as an edge rusher, outside linebacker. And has just not been able to be healthy enough to be properly evaluated. They did like what he seen, uh, what they saw in two practices that he was available, made mm-hmm. a huge impact on those days, but has been unavailable on on every other day. And so, not sure what what they do with him. They probably don't want to lose him. No, they'll stick if... him on. They'll stick him on injured reserve, which makes him eligible to come off of injured reserve after week six. Um, let him get healthy. Let him practice um yeah and we're gonna have have, a roster prediction show here coming up that'll be interesting to see we'll have these conversations for every position group um and then you know tanner muse i guess has been uh playing well aaron donker uh lakeem williams um i don't know i don't know what to expect out of this group because i I, i'm not concerned about the edge guys jordan brooks nuasu um taylor robinson those guys are going to play and they're going to play well um, yeah, that's in this uh, system. You, you didn't even say Boye Mafe and Boye Mafe, right? <laughs> One of the team's top draft picks, right. uh, who has been outstanding in the preseason. Yeah, let's but he is there. going to be situational. Let's be honest; he's not quite ready. I understand from Brock Heward that, uh, and looking at him and, and so forth in practice and having some inside the building discussions, that he's not quite ready to hold up on the edge as far as depending run and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. But they will use him on third downs um, in this in oh, this yeah. season, and he'll he will be effective at that. But Vi Jones is the guy, is the key cog to this linebacker situation because he would be instrumental in both uh, in backing up the entire thing. So he would be a guy that would, um, you know, you'd mentioned forty six players make a game day uh, dress up, and he would likely be one of those guys just because of that diversity and the fact that he would play special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, he would be perfect for that. All right. Um, 
what else is there? I think that's about it as far as, you know, good stories to come out. Oh, I, I did want to mention DS Ridge is practicing again, likely to play in this game. Yep. Um, that's good. That That's good. I mean, we've yeah. been waiting for him for, you know, he didn't really play last season because of all of the injuries and stuff. He hasn't really done anything um, in this training camp and preseason because he's been hurt. Having him be healthy enough to get on the field is great. Yeah. Yeah, we just haven't him. seen anybody come up and grab that third spot. I mean, Freddie Swain's had a rough camp, rough games. The Eskridge hasn't been out there to see anything at all. Penny Hart's kind of stepped up, but I think they would like to have a little bit more size for that mm-hmm. third, fourth spot on the on the roster at wide receiver. Marquise Goodwin hasn't had a lot of time uh, to play Although, and, and likely to, to sit out in this game as well. The um, it, Pete Carroll kind of made, let it slip that Goodwin's going to make the roster. Well, I think he makes the roster because of de, at de, default. Um, when you take yeah. a look at, at the list, it's like, what do you do? You've got Derek Young. I think Derek Young makes this roster. I think they try to sneak Bo Milton onto the onto the practice squad because mm-hmm. there's just not going to be enough space now. At Bo Milton, that's the scary proposition because he's got four three four uh, speed. Someone so will take him. S- someone like that might be You'd keep hard, hard to get. You'd keep Bo Melton over Penny Hart um, mm, uh, on the roster. Yeah, because yeah, so. Penny Hart could probably slip through if you needed and, him too. And you've got Marquise Goodwin who fills that same role and is going to make the team. So that's that's a hard. That's that. If I was Penny Hart, that would be a hard one for me to swallow because you've outperformed anybody. You've been available. You've made the plays. You have returnability, and for the team then to cut you in favor of a Bo Melton who hasn't shown as much um is is really hard you know and that's the age factor coming in um in yeah. the nfl is just the reality of the fact well, the, he's also got more upside <laughs> yeah but i mean and penny hart's five eight um you know in his cleats and that's he's going to be easier to slip through onto the practice squad just for that reason i agree so um, um one name you didn't mention in the wide receiver group that i'm really interested in seeing what he does tonight against Dallas is Aaron Fuller because late in the la- in preseason game two, he was the guy getting open for um, Jacob Eason and, and doing good things. Now I think he dropped a, a, a touchdown he shouldn't he have, um, but it was also one of those acrobatic plays up in the air. And he, you know, it, it came out when he hit the ground kind of thing. Um, but he got there and he got up and he was open and, and, um, if he comes out and continues to make plays and shows that he can get downfield and cover kicks and that kind of stuff for special teams, he could be, you know, that last wide receiver to make the roster as well. So, um, so let's quickly yeah. talk about bubble bubble players. Um, Josh Johnson running back, I think would, or Darwin Thompson, either one of those guys are kind of bubble-ish. Kenneth think- and Walker's injured Rashad Penny's, has the injury tendency, so they may want to keep five guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but Travis Homer and DJ Dallas have shown that they're going to make this roster this year. I was yeah, a little concerned going into um, the the offseason and the summer here about Travis Homer, but really he showed up uh, in his willingness looked, to run hard and so forth. He has. He's looked good. Um, DJ Dallas has looked explosive. Um, I no, we're no, we're not talking like people aren't talking enough about how well he's played. Um, the two of them, Penny looks fantastic. They they have kept him off the field um, on purpose. That he hasn't been. Oh, he he's hurt and can't practice or play. It's 
yeah, we don't want him out there risking injury. We want him ready for week one. And so they've, they, he's been given the veteran treatment. Um, and so th- those three guys are going to be available on game day week one. They're going to be your guys. And that's assuming that um, Walker, you know, is out because of injury. Um, I, I, he may not be. They may keep him and, and and push him through because he's just so dang talented. I wouldn't blame him. Um, that's four deep, and the only other the other guy that that's really shown has been Darwin Thompson, um, and he's if you go back and rewatch um, last week's preseason game, Darwin Thompson's making it hard for the team to cut him. Mm-hmm. I think I he's think, a guy that you can get onto the practice squad. I think so too, but he's still. He's doing what he needs to do. Does the He's team want to really keep hard. five running backs or three tight ends? I think they keep three tight ends. I think they keep three tight ends. What about, um, there's two wide receivers I wanted to talk about. Um, Kevin Cassis, I understand, is having a great camp. Uh, it's a guy that we just brought on like two and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's impressive, I guess. And um, I'm, I'm interested to see if he has any time in the offense uh, in this preseason game against Dallas. And then J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I have not heard a single peep from anybody about what this guy's doing in, in practice. So I haven't either, and he came out and struggled to get open and then dropped a pass in the end zone um, you know, last week. And I guess I'm, I've been uh, biased by reading um, all of the stuff out of uh, Philly about him and fans could not be happier to see a player go um than you know, watching our single white side yeah. get, get traded um and the fact that they they traded him for ugo amadi and then turned around and traded ugo amadi again uh, um, you saw that so I, I sent you that little text about tom yep. pelissero's uh news that the eagles are sending ugo amadi to the titans uh while swapping late round picks in 2024 that's essentially for nothing and being traded twice in 10 days is very heartbreaking yeah. for a player because you're just getting set up. You may have been apartment searching and so forth, signed a lease, and then boom, you're gone. It's like, ooh, that's tough. Yeah. That's rough. Well, and, and uh, so it, that'll tell you what. So the Eagles, um, the, what they thought, you know, they traded away our Sega Whiteside for a guy that they were then willing to part with for nothing 10 days later. That'll tell you how valued they thought of Arcega Whiteside. And that was um, a guy that they've used a second round pick on. He was picked, what is it, seven picks before DK Metcalf. And he's been that disappointing for them that they were just like, they just wanted to yeah. off the roster. I guess the, 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 you know, when you go look at the, the, the plays and so forth that he's had in the NFL since he's arrived, I think he's got like 250 yards receiving and you know, 30 receptions over four years or whatever. But I think it's, oh, it was like 16 receptions. Those uh, receptions look good. They look great. He's high points the <laughs> ball. He's athletic. He shows, you know, but there's there's just as many bloopers of him dropping catchable balls. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the big thing is he can't, his focus or whatever it is, he just has trouble holding the ball. Um, he's had He's averaging, I think, four receptions a year as a pro. So, um, <laughs> turn your attention to the defense, unless you want to talk about anybody on the offensive line, turn your attention to yeah. the defense and tell me about your 
biggest bubble player that you're wanting to show out in this game to save his job? Um, I, Marquise Blair. How can it not be? Um, well, I would say Miles Adams and LJ Collier too. And I don't know if LJ Collier's practicing right now and, and available in this game, but man, those two players are, yeah. I think, fighting for a, one spot. Well, they, uh, I don't even know if there is a spot for either of them. Um, just because there's only, remember, so there's only, they're in a 3 4, right? There's only so many spots for defensive mm-hmm. linemen um, mm-hmm. on the roster. And you've got, um, Woods, Monet, uh, Ford, uh, Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson. Um, all of those guys I think are guaranteed spots. And so how many more are you keeping? So I've got Al Woods, Brian Monet, Matt Gutel, and I think Matt was cut. Um, and then Shelby Harris, Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, LJ Collier. So I've got seven frontline players total mm-hmm. making the roster. But Matt, Miles Adams could be interchangeable. Miles Adams could play both inside and out, I think. I think he's like 290, 300 pounds, something like that. He's 290. He's a, he's a, he's a defensive end in a 3-4, not a nose tackle. Correct, correct. Um, so he can play on either side. Uh, and he's actually got, I mean, he's one of those guys that at 290, he's a pass rusher, not you know a run mm-hmm. uh, defender. In a so traditional he's got two sacks so. this preseason so far. Uh, he's a guy, I mean, he can make the roster and Collier's been hurt and I'm not sure if, I don't think he's practicing yet. I don't um, so think he, he's, yeah, I don't think he makes the roster, but I don't think he gets cut either. I think he just ends up on injured reserve. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Blair's okay, so the one that I'm really, talk about I'm Marquise really, Blair. Yeah. Marquise Blair. About. Here's the problem with Marquise Blair. Now he led the team last game with eight tackles, but he also had five missed tackles. And he just doesn't wrap up. I mean, it's got to be so aggravating for Pete Carroll, who, and they, you know, teaching the method that's known across the league as being the best, best tackling um, method in, in, in all of football. And Blair just does not. He doesn't like to wrap up. He likes to hit people and mm-hmm. knock people over with his, with his strength. Um, and I'm not sure where that comes from and how they can't break it, but it's a detriment to him in this. Well, defense. and he, and he keeps having penalties because of it. Like in this last game, he had the helmet to helmet personal foul because he just wants to hit a guy, not and not tackle a guy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's that. But he, okay, that was who he was in um, college too. Yes, he was yes. the guy who had who was super physical, had all these big hits, had all these targeting all these, penalties yeah. and stuff. And Pete Carroll loved that about him. He loved yes, that. Yes, that's true. That is very true. Um, we know he, I mean, okay. Wh- the other thing about Marquise Blair that I think we, you and I kind of both um, miss, he, despite having four years in the league, is only 25. Right? He's only 25. Yeah. He's still young. He's still a young guy. Um, and he, he's going to be given a uh, that's going to that's going to provide him with uh other options um because he's young enough that yeah he's had a couple of of injured years he's still only 25 so i'm going to talk to you about one more player and then we're going to get out of here okay i i'm saying that this player is on the bubble and it's going to be weird 
Jason Myers. Jason Myers making like $4.5 million. He's, he's very inconsistent, but I'm, I'm hearing from credible sources that his job may be on the line. And if he misses a kick in this game that they're going to go out on the, um, on the market and look for a kicker. Yeah. And, and, you know, during cut downs because, um, he's just, I don't know what it is. He's missed some kicks in practice. Uh, it's been reported by Corbin Smith that the team is, um, is evaluating this position. Well, and, and they should, I mean, he, he, for some reason, he's got a reputation within the fans for being bad, even though he has a franchise record for consecutive kicks. Yeah, that was the year before last. We he um, had all those kicks, and he was like, wow, this is great. And then last year, there was a drop-off. There was a drop-off, um, but it wasn't as bad. His, the biggest problem for Myers has been hasn't been that you know he's missed the big kick or the long kick. It's that he can't get an extra point between the uprights well um, and he he was at 74 percent yeah it's it's rate the, last year which and they want him up at like 85 i know it's the the easier the kick the more likely is he is to miss it um which is got to be frustrating because you know you when you send him out there on a 54 for a 54 yarder you're like okay he, he might make this he might not your expectations not yes. there but when you send him right. out there for a for a 33 yarder you're like you got to make it and then he misses that one um, or you send him out there at an extra point and he shanks that to the left. Um, yes. And so I, I can see it um, that, that they would. And, it's and, a roll of the dice. And, and, the only, and the reason I say it's a roll of the dice is that you're taking somebody else's cut guy and you're putting him in. It's a mental game as much as it is a, a physical game, striking the ball, and et cetera. But the, the difference is the, the cap number, you know, with Jason uh, yeah. Myers. And so, I mean, so Jason Myers was in camp a few years ago and they chose um to bring out um the really old guy from oakland um sebastian janikowski and they gave janikowski the the job jason myers went on to the jets and was an all pro that's right (laughs) in that same year and and then they brought him back then very next year but when they brought him back the next year they had to pay him Yes. to get him to come back because he had just gone and been an all pro if they'd made the right decision with the Janikowski thing, Myers would be making less now, and this wouldn't be as big of a thing. Um, but they screwed it up then, and now they're in a position where they're overpaying a guy for his performance, and that's typically what leads to a guy getting cut. Yeah, um, I just so hope they don't go some, back to the Janikowski. To um, yeah, who was the guy before him? Um, the guy from Minnesota who shanked all the kicks there, and then I've chosen to was, forget that name. Uh, and then they were, for some reason, the coaches were surprised that he couldn't make a kick in Seattle. Um, you know, can we not right. go down that, those roads again? And well, sometimes that happens, you know, I've always thought that they'd be wise to expend a seventh round pick on a kicker, you know, just get a guy that you really like in the draft and get a young guy under contract for four years. And then if he's great, not, you know, it works out great. Now they're in a situation where that, that, you know, veteran cut out of camp is, is an option. And as a placeholder, quote unquote, um, to come in and hold down that position for, for a year or, or two mm-hmm. at the, at most. Um, so we'll see, but you know, the, the likely surprised. he goes in the season that, you know, they like him. He's probably a great guy 
in the you know on the team and in the, in meetings and so forth. So there's a lot to be said for that. But at the end of the day, you've got to make your kicks, and he's yeah. just shown some inconsistencies last year, and then apparently in training camp this year enough where the team is is evaluating. They're also in a situation where if he is on the roster the Tuesday before week one, because he's a veteran, he's been around the league long enough, his contract becomes fully guaranteed. Um, and mm. so they could very well decide to move on, cut him, bring in someone that's just around the league on another, currently on another roster. Um, the Seahawks sit at about $15 million um, in cap space. Mm-hmm. And you've got the Jimmy Garoppolo thing hanging, and that now would I, be why they're that would be why they've hung on to that, is because they want the flexibility to go get a guy if somebody becomes a cap casualty late in late right. in in um in the off season. And if it's Garoppolo, great. If it's someone else, and they think, hey, this is a guy that can come in and, and make a difference and be a, a big improvement, they've got the cap room to spend on it. All right, let's get out of here. So we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys uh, games tonight, and um, enjoy the game, Keith. Drink a beer yeah. for me. We'll do. And um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. We're gonna get on this weekend, I think, and do a recap show, and we're gonna be talking about uh, a roster prediction show, I think, before Tuesday's uh, deadline cut deadline. See if we can get that out ahead of time. Um, sometimes that's tricky because the team may elect to to make half the cuts on Monday and another half on tuesday we just don't know so we'll try to we'll try to get that done if not we'll have a reaction show you want to know something super surprising about tonight's uh game against dallas seattle is a seven point favorite what interesting on the road on the (laughs) road and they've looked awful in the first two games you know what the over (laughs) under for season win totals out of vegas is right now in the seahawks six and a half five and a half five and a half uh yeah honestly that's about right yeah and they know their business really that's their job vegas vegas doesn't make money by being wrong they know that they know what they're doing yeah i also say that anyone who bets a lot of money on preseason nfl games um yeah you got a problem i haven't seen (laughs) Pete carroll lose less than seven games in the last 12 years so i might take that Win less than seven games. Yeah, win less than seven games. <laughs> you said lose yeah, less. I'm like, sorry, sorry. I've seen him. I've seen him lose less. Uh, <laughs> win less than seven. You know, yep. and so yeah, it's going to be. I, I think I would take the the upside on that on that bet actually, because I think six wins is doable for this team. I think seven is attainable. Beyond that, I'm not sure, but five or less. I think that's a pretty solid bet that <coughs> yeah. Seattle's going to win enough. To, you're to do the, that you're going to take the over just on um, the coaching we got a good coaching staff and they're going to win some games on their own then you throw out a placeholder like gino with a solid defense and we're going to be in games it's just at the end uh end of games there's going to be a lot of one score games and if those go against seattle we're going to lose good. more than we win for sure yeah when you don't have a closer right you don't have um russell wilson other you're going to lose most of those one score games um and that's i think where this team just because just because most teams have a you know yeah a a better quarterback who who has who has a worse starting quarterback right now than seattle Mm. 
Oh, Davis Mills, probably. But that's questionable, even. Jacoby Brissett in Cleveland for the first 11 games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're right in that conversation, aren't we? Yeah. And so that that's the part when, I'm, when I say they're going to be in games. They're Trey Lance be hasn't in, done anything yet in San Francisco, but we'll see. He's got the upside, but he hasn't he's got the yet. talent. But, um, you know, this is the Seahawks are going to be in games. The rest of the roster is good enough. They're going to be in games. They're going to be within a score. They're going to have opportunities to win games, and they're going to come up short because of quarterback play. And it's going to be frustrating. And ultimately, if they win five games and they and they hit the under on that bet, they're going to be in great shape. Because now a guy like um, Stroud or the kid mm-hmm. from uh, Kentucky will land in Seattle's lap and they'll still have another first and two seconds to build the roster around them. And they'll be in great shape going into next year. All right. Have fun. Enjoy the game. Love you, man. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Find Keith on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. Um, find the show on the website, seahawksplaybook.com and uh, all your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Really important to us. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.